Welcome to Beyond the Summit, Trinity College's podcast that looks at accomplished alumni and asks them how they became who they are. Welcome to our third season talking with alumni whose post-college careers have involved working or volunteering in the sports world. I'm your host, Paul Sullivan, Trinity Class of 1995. With me today is Oded Carney, Class of 2005. He was a wrestler for his four years at Trinity in the 174, 184, and 197 weight classes. He had at least 15 wins, which is a line for a good career as a college wrestler. After graduating, Oded formed DN Van Lines, which is a moving company with locations in Massachusetts, Virginia, and Florida, but whose main line of business is as a contractor for the Department of Defense. An active business leader in Boston, Oded was appointed last year to the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission. The commission regulates, licenses, and sanctions all amateur and professional combat sport events in the state, including boxing, Muay Thai, and mixed martial arts, more commonly known as MMA. Welcome to Beyond the Summit, Oded. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Paul. And I guess I'll, I'll do one correction, just so everybody knows. 50 wins, 5-0. 15 would have been a pretty bad career. So, Oh, wait, I uh, said 50? I said 15? Well, you may have. I just want to make sure it's clear. <laughs> Definitely 50. Uh, good. Well, let's start there. I mean, how did you start wrestling? How old were you when you got into wrestling? Tell me about how, how that became a passion for you in your life. So, you know, a lot of people that are in the wrestling community started really early on. There's a lot of really great youth programs that you start in middle school, um, even some people in elementary school. But I got to wrestling really late in my career um, or my, my high school career. I was, uh, I was a soccer player, not a great soccer player. And, uh, you know, I was having a hard time making it like past JV. So I had a couple of friends who were on the wrestling team and they said, oh, dead, why don't you try it? And I started as a sophomore in the middle of the year. And, you know, I wasn't a very good wrestler my sophomore year, but I got a real, uh, a real taste for it. And I started working really hard and, and going off season tournaments and, and, and training my body, um, getting into weightlifting and things of that nature. And by the end of my high school career, I was uh, a very good high school wrestler. Did, did you have older brothers who helped you train or, or how did you get, you know, so, so good? so quickly because you were you're what you're growing up in in framingham massachusetts framingham massachusetts yeah, that's yeah. right yeah um no i'm the oldest of three and both of my uh younger siblings are my sisters so uh no, no help there <laughs> um it was more of a type of thing of just getting you know wrestling is a real it's, it's a passion sport you don't do it for glory there's no like professional wrestling outside of like wwe which isn't really you know at, at close to the wrestling that we do um, so it was just something that I really sunk myself into. And, and I think that's, that's a career or not a career, really a, um, a personal trait of mine is when I get into something, I get into it like really deeply. And so I ate and breathed and slept wrestling for, you know, those two and a half years. And that's really what, how I got good at it, I guess. Yeah. And were you going all over Massachusetts to wrestle at, at, at the state level beyond just the, the local well, all over New England for oh. summer, uh, for summer tournaments and summer classes. And then, you know, New England's um, for my, in my senior year, which I wrestled at. And so there's quite a, quite a lot of traveling. I was an AAU team where we went down to Florida. Uh, so yeah, so quite a bit of, of traveling for it. I really got into it. And luckily my parents really supported me. Yeah. Yeah. So with that background and, and growing up, what interests you in, in Trinity? What, what brought you to the, the college as you were wrapping up your high school? Well, and that's kind of what I, what I was getting into is that the first list, when I started looking at colleges, I said, listen, I want a school that has wrestling, has a wrestling program, because I want to wrestle in college. And um, for various different reasons, that really limited um, the pool of, of potential schools, because not every school has a wrestling program. 
Um, you know, I wanted, I'm close with my family. I wanted to be close enough to see them occasionally, but I didn't want to be living at home or have my parents be able to drop in on me at any moment. So Trinity, you know, being about an hour and a half from where I live was a great um, distance. And then really it was the college tours. Um, when I went to Trinity and I saw, you know, the campus and I stayed with, I did like a, a wrestling, like um, I stayed overnight with some of the seniors who were wrestlers there. And after I did all my college chores, I just knew it. I said, Trinity is where I want to go. Um, I'll be honest with you. I got into um, a lot of uh, very um, highly ranked schools because I had really good SAT scores. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter. You know, I wanted to go to Trinity. And so that's where I, that's where I had my heart set on it. And when I got the, uh, the, um, the letter that said that had been accepted, that there wasn't any question about it. Yeah. Well, we were talking off mic before we started this and you were talking about the wrestling coach at Trinity who was there when you were a wrestler and, and took a hiatus and is now back. T tell me a little bit about him and his influence on you as a wrestler, but, but, you know, also as, as a young man. Sebi Amato. So Sebi Amato was my coach. Um, and what can I say about Sebi? Sebi had a very, very um, uh, interesting coaching style. You know, you get a lot of tough love coaches, coaches that would, you know, push you really hard and kind of like, you know, uh, wrestling is a tough sport. So, um, uh, but Sebi had a very different angle. He was your friend, right? And you didn't, uh, you didn't work hard because you felt uh, Sebi, you know, demanded that of you. You did that because you wanted Sebi to be proud of you. I mean, it, it was almost like a, a, a parental figure to me. And, um, you know, when I came to Trinity, Trinity was already a really good program. Uh, we had a bunch of All-Americans. Uh, I think we won New England's the year prior. Um, so I think that was uh, 2000, um, 2000, year 2000. And so when I joined, um, I'm not sure of the class, if I graded in 05, what would have been my first year, 2001? Is that yeah. how it works or is it 02? And then it keeps yeah. on going. Yeah, you would have but, been there in the fall of 2001. Yep. Right. So, you know, I already walked into a really great situation. So Sebi, Sebi's got a style, you know, it's it's things build with him. So when he, you know, starts coaching a team, you know, every year the team seems to get better. And so Sebi, like you mentioned, um, a few years ago, I want to say two or three, uh, you know, came back to the Trinity program. And uh, and what we what we're seeing now is very similar to what we saw back then, which is a team that is getting better every year. Yeah, and this year they they look like they might go uh they might have a positive win record, which is really impressive considering uh where it was um a few years back. But one thing I'll, I'll tell you about Sebi as well is that you know it wasn't like once um I graduated from Trinity our relationship was over. Um we you know Sebi texts texts and emails and calls and visits uh his um his wrestlers his family all the time. Sebi was at my wedding. Um you know he's just like a friend at this point. He's not just a a former coach even though you always refer to your coach as coach, right? Whenever I pick up the phone it's like how you doing coach? Right. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just like, I would say a really good person and somebody that you want to do. Um, you want to, you want to impress, you want to perform. And to this day, like when Sebi calls and, and we need help fundraising for Trinity wrestling, like you want to do it for Sebi. Like, it's not like, uh, you feel, you feel like you, you're being forced into it in any way. So, um, just a really great figure. And I, and, and I'm not the only one that would, uh, that would, probably articulated this way i think that if you talk with most wrestlers that have that have um wrestled for sebi they would tell you the same thing 
You know, one of the I've been fortunate in my my career as a journalist to interview a lot of a lot of athletes and they a lot of they all talk about, you know, making the leap to the the next level. And this is, you know, regardless of the sport and you know guys who end up making it to the NFL and all of this, you know, what if you you were a great high school wrestler. So tell me about you know, what that transition was like from, you know, high school to, I don't want to say starting lower, but really being at the bottom, you know, being a freshman coming into Trinity, what was that transition like? And how did, how did the team, you know, make you feel comfortable and, and manage you into the wrestling program at Trinity? Yeah. The, the way I would say it is humbling. I mean, you, you come from, um, you know, you're at the top, which, at least for me in my high school wrestling career, like I was really at the top as captain of my team. You know, I, I placed in all the tournaments, sectional states, all states didn't place new England's, but had a good new England's, uh, uh, run there. And so, you know, I came to, to Trinity expecting that I would be like, you know, top dog I'd get there. And, uh, you know, I'd start, you know, winning matches from day one. And it wasn't like that. It's like going up to the upper echelon, right? only the good wrestlers decided to, to wrestle in college. So um, it's kind of like going from uh, being a D1 football player to the NFL. Um, you know, you're just in a new class. And it, and it took me a while to figure myself out. But I will tell you this, you know, my first few tournaments at Trinity, I did really, you know, really well. Uh, probably exceeded both my coaches and my expectations. And, um, and so I think the later part of that season was a little bit of rude awakening when I faced some adversity and, you know, wasn't winning everything. Um, but I will tell you that the, that the camaraderie, the, not just the coaches, but the wrestlers themselves, um, you know, it, it was a family. They took care of you. You know, if you were down, they'd pick you up. Um, you know, we did a lot of our own um, uh, preseason and postseason training. So without or without the coach, right? Like we would just the, the team would get together and say, "Hey, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna go for a run. We're gonna do some weightlifting." And um, so, and really, you know, my closest friends even to this day are are people that were on my wrestling team. So um, yeah, it was it was a little bit of a rude awakening. But I think for for unless you're really um, you know a generational athlete in your sport. When you take that next level from high school to um, to college, you you kind of get a little bit of uh, hey, you know, maybe you're not as good as you thought you were. You have a lot of work to put in uh, before you're going to reach that level that you were in high school. Yeah, let's talk a little bit outside um, wrestling at Trinity. Tell me a bit about you know what you loved academically. Sorry, what was your major when you were at Trinity? So I was classics, so Greek and Roman history and Latin. Uh, classics. Well, just trying to eight. trying to keep it all trying to keep it all connected to wrestling. Is that it? You just kind of go back to the yeah, Greek like origins of the sport, Roman, right? Uh, not not exactly. Just um, you know, I just. I really had this belief of a liberal arts education where I wasn't really focusing on what I was going to do after school. I just wanted to focus on something that I liked. And I always loved history. Um, I loved languages because I myself was born in Israel. I, I lived in Israel when I was seven years old. So uh, my, my first language was Hebrew, right? Um, and, um, you know, I took Spanish really seriously in high school. So I was pretty decent at Spanish. So I loved languages. And really Latin is, is, um, is really the, the foundation of most Romance languages. And so, um, you know, it was, um, it was just something that I loved. And... Um, and I just said to, to follow my passion. And as you can imagine, you know, in your intro, you said that, that, you know, for a transportation, a moving company, that couldn't be further away from classics. Right. <laughs> um, but it just what I love. I gotta, I gotta ask you this though. You know, did you trash talk your opponents on the mat in Latin? Is that something I did, did? not trash and, and I did not trash uh, talk my opponents in Latin, but uh, 
Uh, you know, sportsmanship is another thing that Sebi was really, really big on. So we were, I think, always uh, the team that treated our opponents well. And if you didn't shake your opponent's uh, hand after a match or after the close of the entire duel meet, uh, you know, you'd be talking to Sebi about it. Because I think, especially at Trinity, I think we hold ourselves to a really high standard. So no, no trash talking whatsoever. <laughs> but Latin would be pretty impressive. That way they wouldn't even know I was trash talking. They wouldn't even know what you were saying. Exactly. Uh, unless, you, unless you're wrestling like a pre-med student uh, on the other team. Otherwise. That's true. Um, beyond beyond Sebi Amato as your, your wrestling coach, you know, what is, who are some of the other professors who who stood out for you or, or some of the other, you know, classes that, that stood out for you that you still think about, you know, 15 some odd years later? Um, well, on the classic side, Renee Block. Uh, Renee Block was a... Um, he wasn't a tenured professor. So he was at training, I think really during my career. Um, uh, I believe he, he was Swiss in his background um, and he'll probably listen to this and, and yell at me. Uh, maybe it's not Switzerland, maybe it's Belgium, but, but a European country. Uh, that, and by the way, which has have the strongest traditions for classics, Germany um, and, and those countries. And, um, and he was always Jew also Jewish and I was Jewish. And um, so, you know, I really took a liking into, um, obviously there's, you know, the um, Judea uh, back during the time, there's a lot of history um, related to uh, the Romans and the Greeks. So he just really let me like explore my passion. I wrote like all types of different, um, you know, uh, uh, reports um, about, uh, you know, like the, like, Jewish history during that time um, and he really supported me and he's just a guy that I really respected and he's another guy that maybe not quite as much as Sebi but I stayed in touch with for some years after after college so he was um, um, a, a, a great uh, a great role model for me and somebody that really just um, let me follow my passion and um, another uh, Professor Kiner uh, who was again in Jewish studies who did some Jewish mysticism courses with him. Um, and that was kind of cool. He was just, he was like a very laid back, like, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily say hippie, but on that general, like, like side of things and me and him got really along. And every time that I come back from homecoming, I always check in with him. Um, so those are two guys. And I think, I think what you're kind of seeing here, uh, when, whether it came to wrestling or to classics or anything is that I really try not to um to make decisions on what is let's say best for me financially or otherwise it's really more about what i'm interested in what i love to do and those are some people sebi professor kiner renee block professor block who really just let me run with that and i really appreciate it you know as you're you know time was sort of, you know, running out of training, you get to be your, your, you know, senior year, your classic major, your wrestler. What were you thinking that you might want to do after, after college? What were some of the thoughts that you had then? Like, huh, you know, I'm going to be done here in, in the spring. I wonder what I'm going to do next. Paul, absolutely no clue. I mean, I really mean it. I, and, and in fact, I tried to, so I was lucky enough that, um, that I didn't leave call, college with any debt. Um, and so I, had, I, there was a point in my senior career where, you know, I had friends with, with a lot of underclassmen and I lobbied my parents really hard to give me a fifth year, the super senior year. Like, I really want to say training. I love my time there. And they were like, absolutely not like no way <laughs> not happening. And so I kind of like, all right, well, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's how it's going to be. And so, I mean, I can kind of weave into, into how kind of, I started in my business um, and kind of tell you how that all happened. That really relates to your question is that, 
when I graduated from college, just like a lot of people do, um, you know, you live at your parents' house, right? I mean, it's the first place you go, you graduate and you don't have an apartment or a house yet. Um, and so uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I saw the way, the place that you went to look for jobs back then was Craigslist. And so my first job out of college uh, was working for Kaplan. And like I told you, I had really good SAT scores. So in order to work for Kaplan, you have to have a certain, be in a certain percentile. And I taught SAT classes and I worked in their Waltham Center doing some management duties. And um, I was there for six months. And after six months, I, you know, I, I really, again, poured myself into it. And I saw that I was like a small cog in a really big system. So I said, you know what, like, this isn't for me, I could probably work here 20 years, I'm not really going to change my position. So I went back home. And, um, and I, uh, I went back to Craigslist. And I said, listen, I don't care if I find uh, a job that's shoveling dirt from one end of the highway to the other. If it's <laughs> if it if it pays more money, and it's close to home. I'm going to do it. So I found this is this is like an Adam Sandler skit, like when he used to do the toll guy in Massachusetts. You know, I, like shoveling dirt from one end to the other. I would have done it. I'm telling you, it would have paid me more than. than and I won't talk specific numbers, but let's say that it wasn't a high number that I was starting out from. Um, so I found a, a you know an Adam Craigslist, which is like manager of a moving company, and it was right in my our, in our town in Framingham. So I go there, and it's and it's a guy, and, and it's a small basement office. They had one rented truck and three uh, guys that worked there. He's like, um, you know, I'm going to pay you a certain amount. Like I'll I'll go with the number specific. I'm going to pay you forty nine thousand dollars a year, but I can't pay you at that level immediately. I will pay you more in the second half of the year. So by the end of the year, you will have made $49,000. I'm like, okay, like I'm a young, naive, uh, you know, person. I'm like, sounds great. Let's do it. So again, after six months there, I probably was paid around $10,000 in total. So I go to the person and say, listen, like if I'm going to make $49,000 by the end of the year, you're going to have to pay me like at a $100,000 level for the rest of the year. And the person said, well, you know what, let me be honest with you. Things aren't you know, financially working out for me, had a lot of children, a lot of different things outside. I really can't, like, not going to happen. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm not like a litigious person. Wait, wait, so tell, tell me, tell me, this is when you broke out the Latin and your wrestling moves and you took the guy down. I, yeah, I tied him into a pretzel. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I took it really well. I said, you know what? I looked at the value of the experience. I understood a little bit of the industry. And uh, I just decided that I was going to go off on my own and start my own company. And, um, you know, funny kind of inside joke uh, inside my, uh, my, my parents, I guess, my family, is that I sat down um, with my father who had like a financial engineering and financial background. And I told him, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to start this moving company. And his response to me was, um, I didn't put you through college so you could be a mover. And, and, and I, you know, I, I, I laughed at him and I said, great, thanks for the advice of doing what I want anyways. And I started and really bootstrapped it and, and um, you know, grew it to now we have, you know, multiple locations in Massachusetts and Florida and Virginia. And we have, you know, now uh, over 200 employees and close to 70 trucks on the road. So, you know, we're a pretty well established company. And um, again, following my passion, right, just just not knowing what I was going to do, but really putting a lot of faith in in my own personal characteristics and working hard, you know, thinking that, that, that I'm i I'm a capable person and, and I'll, you know, my time in Trinity was, was what gave me those tools, that confidence, that self-assuredness to know that I could be successful no matter what I, you know, put my, my time and heart into. And so, 
Um, if you're currently, you know, um, looking, you're about to graduate or you think about what major to choose, my advice for you is, again, follow your heart. You know, don't worry about, you know, getting in a career path right now. You'll never know what you're going to do until you graduate. And it's it's uh, whatever opportunities come your way. And so, um, yeah, it was it was definitely something I couldn't have uh, predicted uh, when I was at Trinity. Yeah. Where did the name come from? The DN of DN? It's Direct National. Um, there's actually... Um, a, uh, a national van lines, a very big um, uh, company. And so uh, I actually know the president um, of that company very well. He's one of my friends. And we just didn't want to conflict with, uh, with name recognition. Just again, sportsman, sportsmanship and being kind to our competitors. Yeah, yeah. Now you live in Boston now, correct? I think I read in your bio in the Beacon Hill neighborhood. In Beacon Hill with my wife, Lauren, and my son, David. Yeah, how old is your son? He's three and a half. Three and a half. That's, that's awesome. Funny. Uh, the company is based in Boston or it's based Northboro, Massachusetts. That's where we're headquartered. I'm sitting in our headquarters right now. Yeah. When you think about, uh, we're going to get to the the state athletic commission in a second, but when you think about what you had to do, you know, to grow that business from one truck to 70 and probably, you know, you doing a lot of the moving with a couple other people to, to 200 people and you running the company. What were some of the things, some of the lessons that you learned at Trinity that really helped you uh, succeed to really grow that company into a real business? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good question. And I'll tell you this. So you said actually moving. So I actually very early on decided that if I wanted to work on the business, I couldn't really work uh, on the trucks because you can't, you, when you're, when you start out and you're the only office worker, you can't do, you know, sales and marketing while, performing the work. So I actually never was really on the trucks. I, I, from day one, I decided if I wanted to build a business, I had to, you know, hire and employ the right people and grow a big support staff, which I've done over the years, thankfully. Um, I mean, a lot of it came from wrestling, to be honest with you, tenacity, um, confidence, um, uh, things don't always go your way in business and the ability to rebound and to pick yourself back up, to learn from your mistakes. That's something that I learned in wrestling. I mean, um, handle disappointment, right? Like a lot of us, um, when we have something that's really disappointing, it demotivates us. And from wrestling, I learned that when you have a disappointment, you use that for motivation. Um, so I would say that's one thing. Um, I will tell you another thing is, is networking, right? And I learned that at Trinity, really, how to, uh, I was in a fraternity, Alpha Cairo. I went abroad to the University of Sydney. So I put myself in honest situations where I didn't know a lot of people and I had to be outgoing and I had to um, reach out to people and form relationships. And I would tell you that the single largest reason why, why our company has been successful is through, is through networking and developing a relationship with other big corporate players. And so I'm on the executive committee for our, uh, our um, International Trade Association or National Trade Association. I'm the incoming president for our state association. So, so, you know, your competitors are also your biggest allies. And in this particular industry, there's a lot of work that you can do together. So, you know, that cooperative um, networking um, is something that I, that I learned at Trinity as well. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, your business, you have a, a particular niche in, in sort of doing a lot of work for the Department of Defense. So yes. how did that came come about to decide to you know, focus on an area where surely you need to have, you know, great expertise. You're probably moving, you know, stuff that's very sensitive at, at times, but you're working with a, a large government organization. And how did that, how did you develop that expertise and how did you decide that that was a, a route you wanted to take? Yeah, sure, Paul. I'll give you a little bit of background. So we're still moving household goods. 
um, which is, you know, the items that are in your home. Uh, it's through the Defense Personal Property Program and everything in military is acronyms. So if I get into acronyms and, and it stop me and I'll, I'll explain it. So Defense Personal Pro Property Program is DP3. And, um, and basically when you're a service member um, in, in our nation's military, um, the military will move you every two or three years to a new base. It's called PCS, Permanent Change of Station. And so part of being a service member is your, your entitlements. And one of your entitlements is moving. The military pays for your move and coordinates your move. So they have uh, TSPs, transportation service providers, that are in a closed system, right? So it's very hard to get into military moving. Um, and we're the ones that perform all the work. And um, I got into it by, again, networking. And there was a particular person at, at a company uh, that was in the West Coast. And this was their main uh, line of business. And so I learned a lot from them. And um, when there was finally an opportunity to really buy into, you have to almost buy these contracts, SCAT codes, as we call them in the military. To do that, I took that risk. And, you know, it went from being 10% of our business to 20 to 30 to now, it's probably about 70% of our business. So um, it's, it's a big chunk of it. And um, it's really rewarding because in addition to obviously doing good business, you're actually providing a really important service and supporting our country, right? We're, we're under the United States Transportation Command, and we are supporting the mobility of our nation's troops. So it's, it's, it, gives, it gives me a cool feeling. Yeah, that's excellent. Let's pivot and talk about your your role in sports. You know, tell me a bit about the the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission, and then you know how your appointment to that commission came about. Right. So you gave a, a really good and apt description in your intro. So the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission, we govern all the combat sport events, fighters, officials in the state of Massachusetts, um, in three main areas: mixed martial arts, MMA. Um, boxing and Muay Thai. Uh, Muay Thai is basically kickboxing. Um, and so uh, I kind of come back into to the story. Um, and so, you know, I have my wrestling background. As I told you, I love to network. I'm involved with all these trade associations. And I, and I started getting politically involved. Um, particularly, there's our current governor of the Commonwealth, Charlie Baker, was a political figure, uh, very much like myself, a moderate that I greatly supported and through, you know, business ties and personal ties started getting closer to his office and, and going to different events and spending some time with him and Lieutenant Governor uh, Karen Polito. And then when the time came um, where, you know, there was a potential for me to be appointed to a border commission, um, we really looked at what the possibilities are. And because of my wrestling background, the state athletic commission was really where my heart was, was, uh, was at. And so I was appointed, like you said, about eight months ago to that commission and hopefully reappointed uh, this month again for a three-year term. And it's really exciting that the difference between us and most boards and commission is like, like if you're, let's say on the um, gaming commission, right? You're licensing and governing, um, you know, casinos, right? Well, we actually have like events like every weekend, right? And I was just on Saturday, Cage Titans, a big MMA event. And we're the commissioners, uh, so we have to go there. And actually, we have like a big, like a like a state trooper badge, and all kind of our our credentials. And we're there to make sure that the fighters are safe, that the rules are followed. Uh, we can disqualify or change outcomes of abouts. Uh, it's a big position, you know. I take it very seriously, but it's also very rewarding. It's something that, you know, I. This is not a paid position. It actually used to be, there used to be stipends back in the day, but not anymore. It's a volunteer position. It's a government position, but 
you know, you only do it for the love of the, of the, of the sport. And so that's why I'm there every weekend. Yeah. And is it every weekend? Is it events all over the state that you're, you're going to? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's more, um, you know, we have an event on St. Patty's day and encore one of their casinos over here in, in Boston. Um, it's all the time. And I will tell you this, there are four commissioners appointed by the governor. Now we like to have at least one or two commissioners at every event. So there is a little bit of, you know, respite. If, if, for example, I won't be here this weekend, another commissioner will be at that event, but we have to cover all of them. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a big time commitment. When you think about what you've learned uh, in your first year of being uh, a commissioner, what really stands out to you? Um, what I'm saying out to you, and this might not be such a positive thing is that, you know, I came in to the commission, you know, as a, as a business leader, right? So it's like, you know, like, give me a budget, give me our income, you know, let's make some decision, let's act very quickly. And it's like, whoa, 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 this is government. It does not work like that. I'll give you an example. We have deputy commissioners and deputy commissioners are really the ones that, you know, we usually have anywhere between five to 10 in each event. They're watching how the fighters, their hands are getting wrapped, they're escorting them. They're really, you know, make, making sure that all of our rules and regs are being followed. Um, and right now we are only by mass general law allowed to pay him $75 for event. And these events are sometimes eight to 10 hours long. So, you know, my first priority was, you know, let's get better compensation for our deputies so we can have more and better deputies. And just getting that across the finish line has been like, you know, pulling teeth. We're not even there yet. So I think I learned a lot that government is, there's a lot more procedure. Um, there's a lot more politics. There's a lot more work to put in before you can affect an outcome it's not just like you know being in a business environment where it's like okay we're going to make this decision and we're going to do it now so um that's one thing i've learned for sure yeah um and you said you know, hopefully next month you get reappointed and if that happens what would your goals be for a, a full term what would you like to accomplish and have be your your legacy as as a commissioner um, I'd say the deputy pay is definitely one of them. Um, you know, I think that uh, just getting getting a bit more structure, putting in that business structure for the for the athletic commission, for future commissioners, uh, for the fighters and all of our officials. I'd like to get some more regular training events uh, that occur, fund them, um, make sure they're properly scheduled, and just be you know create a little bit more of a of organization within the commission. Um, you know, coming from, again, a business background, I'm used to kind of things being organized. And so that's where I'm, uh, I'm paying a lot of my attention to. But I will tell you, our chair, Paul Carger, and one of my uh, really good friends, uh, Brian Lambert, are also commissioners. And um, they're right in lockstep with me. So I think that you're going to see the next, next three years as being a transformative time for the State Athletic Commission. Yeah. That's been wonderful. Um, one last question before we go to the little quirky thing we we do at the end here. Um, but when you're you're if you were talking to a, a current Trinity student now, or or one who's just you know started his or her career, and 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 that man or woman was an athlete at Trinity, and they really love their sport, what advice would you give to that student who is looking to either, you know, work in the sports world or to do what you've done, kind of a hybrid, have a, you know, a, a business career, a career doing something else, but still being able to, to, to be in the sports world and, and to give back. What, what advice would you give to that, that student or, or recent graduate? You know, Paul, I have a lot of experience in this because I have a few friends, especially one of them who's currently a pretty high executive at the NFL, which is a reason why I'll be in LA next week for the Super Bowl. I go every year because of him, because of my good friend. And he didn't start in the NFL. He started in NASCAR. 
Um, that was his first job. He worked for, for a driver and kind of worked his way up. And I've seen that there's been a couple of examples. So very similar to my classics and like, you don't know what you're going to do. If you want to be in, in the field of sports, whether as an agent or as a promoter or whatever it may be, don't, you know, if you want to be in football or if you want to be in soccer or whatever it is, take any opportunity that you can find in the sports world. And they often translate to each other. You network, you meet the right people and you might start NASCAR and be in the NFL or start the NFL and be a NASCAR. But the whole idea is, you know, don't pigeonhole only wait for opportunities that are in the specific sport that you're looking to get into. Um, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people be very specific, uh, successful in transition from one sport to another. That's great. Thanks. Odette. Now, we're going to do something here at the end. We call this uh, the Beyond the Summit Fast Five. Self-explanatory, okay. five questions asked quickly. Uh, the only rule is don't think, just answer. Okay. All right, you ready? Ready. Okay. Number one, what did you want to be the day you arrived at Trinity? I wanted to be an astronaut. Not kidding. I like that. Number two, what's one thing that happened at Trinity that your colleagues or fellow commissioners never knew about you uh i when my freshman year i got into a uh bar fight with the uh football team um and it wasn't a very big bar fight but we all handled it very honorably and made sure that nobody got in trouble and those people became very good friends later on in my college career so uh something that very few people know about that that's crying out for a follow-up question but then i'd be breaking my own rules so so i'm not gonna ask it um number three when you look back on the narrative of your life, was there a moment at Trinity that was instrumental in you becoming who you are today? Yeah, I think it was actually when I came back from my semester abroad at Sydney. And um, again, you know, I'd, I'd become a pretty good wrestler and I'd taken like six months off or even thinking of wrestling. And I got a rude awakening that showed me that, hey, if you don't put in the hard work, don't expect results. Uh, so I very quickly learned that, yeah, you got to keep it up if you want to be good. I love it. I can imagine all the beer, all the shrimp and everything in Australia. Oh, I came back and I got wiped on the mat. I mean, I lost probably like 10 matches in a row. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I learned very quickly. You know, you, you can't just expect, uh, you know, to, to be successful. You don't put in the time. All right. Now, number four, you already answered this in a different form, but sometimes people just skip to the end. So number four, what advice would you give to a current Trinity student who aspires to use his or her sports background after college? Um, uh, well, so here's what I will tell you. You don't have to be a great athlete to have a great career in athletics. In fact, some of the people that I've seen have the greatest, you know, become coaches of either professional teams or college teams. We're very average athletes. So don't let the fact that you weren't, you know, a superstar, um, an All-American in college, uh, you know, stem your dreams for having a career in the sports world. Great. And number five, if the Trinity Bantam, our beloved mascot, the fighting chicken, had been one of your trusted advisors, what role would the bird play? So the bird is a boxer technically. So I don't think that he would have had a lot of uh, advice on, on the wrestling front. Uh, but again, going back to, you know, if you, you don't have to be the greatest, the Bantam isn't the biggest, you know, animal in the animal kingdom. It's, he's a, he's a little bird, uh, but he's got a lot of attitude, right? Um, so, so I would say, listen, you know, believe in yourself, have confidence. That's, that's, that's what the band would tell you to do. <laughs> I love that. A little bird with a lot of attitude. Um, Oded Carmi, class of 2005. Thank you so much for joining me on Trinity's Beyond Summit podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Paul. 
This episode of Beyond the Summit was brought to you by the Trinity College Office of Communications. Special thanks to Caroline DeVoe, Ellen Buckhorn, and Mary Mahoney for production assistance. This episode was produced by Helder Mira. A big thank you to Paul Sullivan, our alumnus host. The theme music, Winter in Liverpool by Mulaha, licensed by Musicbed. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. Thank you.